Hey everyone, my name is Jason West and this is PodClass. Got a great show for you today. My guest is Dr. Margot Atkins-Jackson. She is an assistant principal and she also happens to have a name that is so amazing that when you hear it, you kind of assume she's one of those people who fights crime in a jumpsuit. Anyway, in this interview, Margot and I talk a lot about why she thinks a divide exists between teachers and administrators, what she has learned during her transition from the classroom teacher she was to the school administrator she is now, and why it is so crucial to say no from time to time. All right, before I start the show, I'm going to briefly recap my week and share what tea I'm drinking today in a quick segment I'm calling Tea Capping the Week with Mr. West. As of yet, I have no theme music for this, although I really should probably work on getting theme music. If anybody out there has a good idea for a theme song, something preferably that I do not have to pay for, uh, that would be great. Send me your suggestions to podclasspod, that's podclasspod at gmail.com, or you can direct message me on social media at TeachMeMrWest on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay, so the tea I am drinking today is Art of Teas Jasmine Reserve Tea. Man, this is, uh, I think, two out of three that I've uh, used Art of Tea brand. What can I say? I am a sucker for their tea. Uh, If anything, I am willing to be a shill for their company, but I am not as of yet a shill for their company. So if if anybody out there listening has connections with this company and they want to throw some cash or even really just I'll, I'll do this for free tea. Just send me your tea and I will talk about it. No problem. Uh, anyway, I am drinking Art of Tea's Jasmine Reserve Tea. I was inspired by a friend of mine who told me the other day that he didn't really like green tea because it tasted like, uh, as he put it, lawn clippings. Uh, if you feel the same way about green tea, then let me tell you, this is the green tea for you. This tea can best be described as floral, sweet, fresh, and maybe even a little woodsy, if that makes sense. Uh, It's got a very delicate flavor, and it's pretty gentle on the palate. Now, the problem is that the people who claim they don't like jasmine tea uh, because of how it tastes, most likely the tea they've had has either been poorly brewed, or it's just low-quality green tea, or maybe it's even stale jasmine tea. That's right tea goes bad after about a year to maybe two years, depending on how you store it. Uh, Who knew dried tea leaves would go bad, but they do. Uh, Jasmine green tea, when you brew it properly, it typically makes a pale golden yellow liquid. So whenever you get uh, like jasmine tea and it's like deep yellow or almost greenish color, mm, probably oversteeped, probably not so great. Um, Also, Apart from the fact that tea leaves can go bad, uh, if the water is too hot when you steep green teas like this one, uh, the tea is going to release more bitterness and astringency much more quickly, and so it's just a miserable cup to drink. Uh, For those dying to know, jasmine pairs well with many flavor profiles such as sweet, bitter, savory, spicy. I suggest you try it with dark chocolate. Oh, so good. Uh, or proteins like beef or sushi. Mmm, sushi, beef, so good. Or really anything ginger-flavored. Also, another non-scientific aspect of this is that, I don't know, you definitely feel healthier after you drink this tea. 
of course, that brings me to my recap of the week. Yep, I was sick again. Yep, sick again. Second cold in a month. You could probably hear it from my voice. Hey, listen, uh, on the negative side, my immune system is collapsing from within. But on the positive end, I've never sounded more like a real man in my life. Uh, I either had to get sick for a month or maybe just take up smoking. But either way, I've never had such a really deep, beautiful voice like I have right now. Um, But leading up to this point, uh, (laughs) I thought I was going to die. Uh, I had a terrible voice. I had this really nagging cough, which I think is why I have this like really wonderful deep voice because my throat is essentially raw. Um, Basically anything you'd want in a podcast host, I had just the worst voice, the coughing, the phlegmy sounds. Uh, Anyway, I was just not up to the task of recording what would have probably sounded like my final words from my deathbed uh, instead of a weekly podcast. So let's talk about my week other than being sick. Um, everyone seems to be burning out lately. I'm not really sure why that is. Uh, I mean, well, let me rephrase that. I'm very sure why that is. I actually made a point. This is why I did my burnout season podcast right before Thanksgiving. I totally understand what is happening. But when I say I'm not really understanding why everyone seems to be burning out, it's because even the people who are normally like just super cheerful, ready to go, they don't really go through these burnout seasons. And I include myself uh, in that. I rarely at this time of year am feeling frayed. But man, this year I am feeling frayed. I think I was feeling it a little last year too. I'm wondering if uh, any of it is related to the fact that, you know, we are just bombarded with just hot, hot garbage everywhere. You know, you turn on the news and you just, you know, you want to throw your hands in the air and go, why, why is this the way it is? Um, I mean, it's, it's got to be related to Trump. Uh, but anyway, I'm just noticing that a lot of people are feeling really burnt out lately. So uh, if you haven't gone back and checked out my burnout season podcast, I really highly recommend that you do it. Uh, there's some really good stuff in there, things that have really helped me get through challenging times. Um, people I know who have gone through challenging times, they provided some insight for that episode. So go back, check it out. Let me know what you think. Again, shoot me an email, send me a message. Uh, just you know, give me your feedback. Let me know what do you do to avoid burning out or what is something that has sort of contributed to you burning out maybe more this year than in years past. I've also been kind of struggling with some existential dilemmas lately. See, I think what has happened is my position, you know, my transition from a classroom teacher to the TOSA position, the teacher on special assignment position, has kind of fully made its, you know, has has kind of gone as far as it's going to go. Like I've I've fully transitioned into this position and, you know, I'm, I'm feeling some dilemmas about this. I, um... You know, I started my Instagram account with the idea of saying, I know exactly why I'm starting this Instagram account. I want to give people who are either in education, new to education, or not even at all in education, I wanted to give them insight, you know, a window into what is going on in a day in the life of a teacher who just really cares about good teaching. 
what is what does that look like? The highs, the lows. I wasn't going to sugarcoat things. Um, I wasn't going to, you know, make everything a sob story either. I was just, this is what is going on in my class. And this is why I love what I do. But now that I'm in this new position, <laughs> I, uh, I'm not really sure what I'm posting about. I, I'm, I'm struggling with that because before it would be, you know, hey, this is what I'm doing with my students today in my class. And now I'm going to post and it's like, hey, this is me and I am holding a mug. This is me and I'm working on a project that no one really knows much about because it's not going to happen for two months, but it's going to take me a good month and a half to really work on all the details. And I'm working on it again. Hashtag insight into education. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what it is that I'm doing on social media with this new position. Uh, if you have any ideas what it is you'd like to see from me, let me know because, um, again, I'm, I'm kind of struggling. You know, some people go on Instagram uh, or some people make Instagram accounts because they, you know, want the attention or they want to make money with the products that they're selling. And again, m my purpose has always been just sort of to shine a light on an area that I feel does not get enough attention you know th this world of education what, what can we do to let people let more people know about what we do in our classes every day how can we connect what we do to the to the world at large right it's you know again through being very open and transparent and adding a little humor all that and again I'm not in the classroom now, so maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe it's just, maybe it's as easy as, hey, this is what life is like now as someone who is in between. You know, I, I, I'm definitely an in-betweener. I, I, I don't exactly have a seat, right? I, I am someone who all the teachers look at as uh, an admin, but I'm not actually an admin. Um, and then you talk to admin and they're like, oh, you are a TOSA, a teacher on special assignment. So uh, you know, may maybe that's really what I need to sort of shine a light on is, hey, you know, there's the teaching world, there's the administrative world, and right now where I'm at, I'm kind of in this uh, in-between existence, and here's what I'm seeing. I can see from the teacher's point of view. I can also see how the sausage is made. Let me share all this with you now before, uh, you know, I run the risk of forgetting all of this when I become an admin. I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it. Certainly not the funniest monologue I've ever done. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I think another thing I've been struggling with lately in terms of my existential dilemmas is, you know, I'm almost at the end of my master's program. Oh my gosh, I'm so close. I'm so, so, so close. I can, I can, I can almost touch it, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm one semester away. I finish in May, and I'm now trying to figure out if I want to keep my head down and plow through and go and get a doctorate. And even just saying that makes me want to cry <laughs> out of sheer exhaustion. But at the same time, um, I, I totally see the value in having that kind of experience and degree and the weight that that holds, especially with, you know, what I'm hoping to achieve in education. You know, but at the same time, man, it, it would be so nice to have free time during the week that 
has normally been going toward all of the work that I'm putting into the master's program. And perhaps this is one of the reasons why I'm feeling so frayed right now is because uh, I've been taking three classes for my master's program this semester. And it's been, you know, it's been a lot. It's been challenging. And the master's program in and of itself has been, you know, uh, both really wonderful, but also really challenging, right? Uh, my master's program, it's a small cohort of about 24 people. Um, and it's a total microcosm of education. There are there are some brilliant people in the cohort. Uh, there are some people who act way more like students than the teachers. And there are, um, you know, some homunculus clowns who like to talk a lot and say very little. And I am only now as I say that out loud, hearing the irony in the fact that I've been monologuing for the last, I don't know what, uh, 15 minutes, uh, talk about saying a lot (laughs) and maybe not saying very much at the same time. Uh, but I assure you, I do not believe I am one of those homunculus people. Um, I don't really think I'm one of those brilliant people either. I'm just a casual observer of the whole thing, um, which is kind of how I've always felt in education. But, um, you know, I look at all these people in my cohort and, you know, I'm told that these are going to be my peers in education as I grow in my career. Um, You know, and I totally believe that. And I am also terrified of it, right? Because these are going to be the people who I will either have to answer to or create with um, or counteract whatever it is uh, they are doing. Um, But there are also some people that it would be wonderful to continue to work with them. It's just, man, education is so hard because the stakes are so, so high. And so whenever there's somebody who is in education who is not great, um, it really stings. But at the same time, because there are so many people in education, uh, you know, there's like a 50-50 ratio of people who are awesome and people who are mm, not. And man, it just it really hurts the heart, right? It, um, you know, it frays you a bit, which is kind of, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm at this, uh, existential dilemma. I don't know. It, it's interesting. You know, it, education is like the opposite of pornography because, well, it's the exact opposite for a lot of very obvious reasons, uh, hopefully very obvious to you, but, um, it's the exact opposite in the sense of how we define and identify what good teaching is. Uh, I believe it was Justice Stewart uh, decades ago uh, who famously said that he couldn't really define pornography, but he knew it when he saw it. That was kind of the famous quote, I know it when I see it. But teaching is kind of the total opposite of that, right? We, we all pretty much know how to define good teaching, but We just don't all agree on what it looks like. And I think that's why there are so many shitty teachers and professors in this world because because we can all answer the question of what good teaching is, but very few of us can actually agree on what it looks like, right? If we were to see it, would we be able to say, yeah, that's it, right? So, yeah, a little afraid. (laughs) Maybe a little negative. Maybe the uh, two colds in a month has really... uh, (laughs) brought me down a bit. Uh, And I do not wish to bring you down. So I'm going to share a victory uh, that I also had this last week that I'm really excited about. Um, I had an epiphany over the Thanksgiving break. I had asked all of my 
teachers that I who I am sort of charged with supporting because again I'm I'm an, I am a teacher not an administrator as they might think um, so my goal is to support these teachers and I would continue to ask them hey what uh, what do you need what can I do to support you tell me what you need me to get and I will get it for you um, or at least I'll try I have a <laughs> I have a pretty small budget this year but I will try uh, and they would all tell me I don't need anything I need nothing. And it was really frustrating because uh, I would either actually get I don't need anything or you want to know how you can support me, stay away from my room, uh, just give me space. So hitting that brick wall, trying to figure out how to support teachers at a new school, a school that I'm not familiar with, challenging, right? So over the break, uh, I had this epiphany, this realization that, hey, this is the first time in like, you know, 11 years, going on 12, that I uh, didn't have a pile of papers to grade. I didn't have lesson plans to work on or tests to create or anything like that. And I'm not saying that to brag and hurt your feelings. Uh, (laughs) I'm saying that because the, the realization that I had was, oh, this is what teachers need because in some schools they do need physical material things but in a school like the one that I'm at they don't really have a need for physical things but we could all use time so uh, I went around to all of my AP teachers and I told them hey look I had this kind of realization I you know mea culpa I thought that maybe you would need physical things but it turns out the most essential thing we all need is time so if you need you know that time to grade uh, or co-plan or whatever it is, if you're feeling like you're going to get overwhelmed or you have the winter break coming up or a long weekend and you don't want to give up all of that time to do it, let me know ahead of time and I will come and I will cover your class. That way you can have protected time during the school day to work on that. And um, the response was really nice. People were... <laughs> I was I was really surprised. I thought a few of them might mouth kiss me. They were very, very excited and uh, pleased by my offering. So, um, yeah, I, I think we'll just have to see how that goes. Um, I think I'm just going to drink some tea and hope for good things, which uh, <laughs> uh, sounds like either the lamest or maybe the best motivational mug uh, possible, right? Drink some tea and hope for good things. Will do. All right, I think that was enough uh, tea capping for this week. It certainly wasn't uh, the brief segment that it usually is. Um, but hey, I've been gone for a couple weeks. Had a lot to get off my chest. So um, anyway, let's get the show started. But first, a quick fake commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Parent-Teacher Conferences. Parent-Teacher Conferences. It's like 23 and Me for your shittiest students. become a principal it's gonna be on me and it's gonna be on, you are accessible that's like what you sign up you're for. you're out you're on call mm-hmm. you're, you're like a celebrity without all the cool <laughs> parts of being a celebrity 
Uh, I think at the middle school level and the elementary, it's probably easier, but mm. at a comprehensive high school, because they don't close and stuff's always going on. Yeah. That's a challenge. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. You're not, (laughs) there are no uh, school football games in third grade. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Well, that's a really great transition. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, You, I I spoke a little bit about you in the intro uh, to the show. You are, uh, you're kind of part of this. The way it sort of worked out is uh, I now have a little string of admin that have been coming on to the show. Uh, but before we get into that whole side, uh, where, where'd you grow up? Where, where are you from? San Diego. You're from San Diego? Yes. What, what, was, what was your upbringing like? What was your house like? What did your parents do? Uh, my mom was a manager for AT&T, um, single parent home. And it was basically just she and I. My sister's eight years older than me, so she was pretty much... Um, out the house by the time I was in high school. Were, were you a good student as a kid? Yes, very involved in school. About average to 3.0, accelerated classes, and tons of activities, uh, <laughs> cheer and softball player. I was way more interested in the social aspect of school. It's funny. I find that kids of single-parent homes, they kind of go one of two ways. They either get really involved in activities or they just sort of become like hermits. <laughs> uh, I wish I was cool enough to be somebody who got involved. I was really just a hermit. I just would like go home and I would just watch TV and I would, you know, play games, whatever. Uh, it's just like in my own little shell. Uh, so school for you sounds like was kind of the place for you to be. Oh, yes. I was surprised when I got older and people said they didn't enjoy high school. I was like, this is the best time. <laughs> yeah, you're you're speaking a foreign language every every time somebody tells me that they loved high school it's but I also went to a junior high and then I started high school in 10th grade and I was actually the last ninth grade year at my junior high before I went to a middle school so when I started high school in 10th we had the first ninth grade class so we were never on the bottom either so oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> you just had it made in the shade, just coasting through school, never having to deal. Wow. And then as a freshman, as a, as, as a ninth grader in junior high, we went down and played freshman sports at the high school. So it wasn't a big shock. Or <laughs> so you, you were, you were what, like 10th or 11th grade. And then they bring in these ninth graders and you're playing sports against these ninth graders and you're just crushing them. <laughs> no, what we like, did, no, we, we played high. for the JV team. Sure. So it just, um, we would walk down at the end of the day to the high school. Mm -hmm. And so by the time we were at high school, it just wasn't a big deal because we'd already been on the campus for our our softball season in the spring. I see. And where'd you end up going to university? USC. Okay. So did you always know you were going to be a teacher or did you go to USC? No, I started off in business. Um, I worked at Arthur Anderson. And then um, when everything, what's that? What's Arthur? It's an accounting. It it was an accounting firm. Okay. Um, Similar to like Deloitte, Touche, KPMG. So when they went um, under, my mom said, "Well, you've always worked with kids. You enjoy kids." She's like, "Why don't you look into teaching?" And so I had actually, when I graduated, I'd gotten um, the I can't even remember what it's called anymore, but whatever you need to sub. And oh, you sub- got your uh, your sub credential, your emergency, yeah. your emergency credential. Oh, it was an emergency. It's something else you can get for subbing because I came in actually on an emergency credential oh, okay. to teach full time for math. Mm. 
Um, so and that's how I came in. So I was going to do the sub route, but then I just, they needed math teachers. And where, where was this that you Long sort of Beach. fell into? Hmm? So the district just said, hey, we need. At that time, they needed math teachers. And um, my business degree was a BS, not a BA. And mm-hmm. most schools, it's a BA or some schools, it's a BA. But because it was a BS, I had enough math um, classes to come in on an emergency math credential. And so that's why I didn't need to sub and all that because I just needed math teachers. Where did you get hired to? Where was your first school that you got hired to work? Uh, Hamilton in North Long Beach. So that was that's a an element. I mean, that's a middle school. That's a middle school. And you taught what grade? I started in seventh. And then I finally, I think. <laughs> and you stayed. You yes, stayed in education. Congratulations. Yes, I think I had seventh for two or three years. And then I had eighth grade. How long were did you teach in middle school? I believe it was six years. I believe six. And yeah, it was six. And then I went, I transferred to Cabrillo because at that time I was teaching primarily pre-algebra and only had a couple periods of algebra one. And so I wanted to try and teach more of the advanced levels. So I went to high school and I had geometry for a little bit, but I still ended up back with algebra one. Mm-hmm. Um, and Did then you I end had- up having some overlap with students? Like no. The, no students that you had in middle school went to where you went to high school? If so, it was probably just one or two, but not that I really recall off the mm-hmm. top of my head. So you transferred. What made you transfer? Well, you were saying that you, you were... You put in a transfer for, I wanted high school. Mm-hmm. And so you basically, wherever there's an opening. And they in the it's spring, like the <laughs> in the spring, there was nothing available. So I was like, okay. So I started planning for the next year and literally maybe three days before school started, there was an opening and I was packing up my classroom wow. and heading over to high school. So your mom suggested, Hey, you're out of a job. This company goes under. You've always liked working with kids. Why don't you go be a teacher? Is that the moment when you realize, oh, I need to be in education or does that come later? Because for me, I mean, I was in education for years <laughs> before I realized, oh, I should be doing this. <laughs> probably around, I don't, probably now my third or fourth year at Hamilton. Honestly, the first couple years I was so busy working on getting a credential it's just keeping uh, your head above water. Yes. Between yeah. the lesson plans and credentials and the CSET, you're just like, what do I got to do now? Where do I need to be? And it's I'm a bad. racket. I mean, it really <laughs> it is, is a like, racket. Like if it I, is. I, I imagine if I've never been in front of the state school board, uh, but I imagine if I were to go in front of them, it would be like, you know, the cast of the Sopranos <laughs> because <laughs> it's just like, oh, you think you've got your credential? Oh, no, 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 no. After you've taken all these tests and you get your credential, now you have to clear your credential. And how do you do that? You have to take all these paid classes to do that. And now you want to get a master's? Great, get a master's. Now you, you pay for all that. Now you want to get an admin credential? Great. You pay for those classes. You get your admin credential. You do all that that you have to do. And yeah. you have to clear that one as well. And now you have well. to clear that one as well. <laughs> it just, it's a and never. You and, then to, you have to, and then you have to update your... Both, for, both credentials. Yes, you have to get those paid for. Oh, I've been doing this for however many years, well, now I have to pay to renew. I mean, it just like, how does education go broke? That's well, what I want to know. And why does your administration credential not cover your 
a teaching credential. I mean, why do you have to pay for two separate ones? Yeah. That would be a racket as well. I'm saying it's just like, just, just take my money. Don't even tell me. I I, just don't send me on a wild goose chase and do this busy work. Just take my money, open up five new schools with it. I don't know. It's just like, I just don't understand where the money goes. Uh, So tell me about the moment when you realized this is where you should be. I think I had started doing, we started trying to do AVID at the middle school level, which mm-hmm. is advancement via independent determination. It's to help college bound students. And I just, that was just it for me. I just realized that there was really a need and that I had something that I could help kids with, particularly mm-hmm. underrepresented kids. Also too, I think that when I was in high school, they tried to recruit me in an AVID, but it was, um, one of those things where it was they wanted me to drop my elective to take AVID. And at that time, I was in my fourth or fifth year of Spanish. And I was like, I'm going to drop my fourth or fifth year of Spanish. Yeah, you were already so deep into it. Exactly. I mean, I was already in APs. Mm-hmm. I was on track to be in AP. And I was like, and there really wasn't any consideration for that. It was like, oh, this is a token that's going to help our school. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I think... Yes, our students of color need advocates, but you can't cookie cutter it. You can't say, oh, this is a minority. This is a program that will help them plop. You have to really look at, just like you would any other student, what's their path? What's their interest? What's their background? What can they do? So I think that was it. Just seeing what kids needed, that closer look, being involved in the Abbott program. How many years after you had this sort of realization, did you then have your next realization that you wanted to move up into the admin world? It wasn't ever really a realization. It's always just been a thought that one day I would like to be a principal or, you know, you you think that you do because you do want to impact mm. and do good things for school. When you see other principals, you're like, I could do that. <laughs> Well, you think that, and I think yeah. as the closer you get to administration right. and to the principalship, then I think that's why I said when you start to balance a it's little like bit more. It's like when you watch more. surfers and you're like, that doesn't look that hard, and you get out in the water and a three-foot wave feels like it's a typhoon, and you're like, I'm going to die out here. <laughs> well, again, I don't think a lot of administrators think about, I'm going to be a principal. You don't think about pipes right. and buildings and... All this crazy stuff that's part of the role. I have this big campaign that is literally just me telling people (laughs) who will listen uh, that I think principals should be divided up at all schools. I think there should be a CEO of a school and they're the ones who go out and they glad hand. They take care of all of the, the bills, the logistics, the planning, all that stuff. And then there should be a principal who is just in charge of instruction. And just in charge of working with teachers and students and building a culture and all of that. And those two principles can, you know, obviously work together on things. But I just don't see how there's enough time in the day, you know, to go meet with the superintendent, go meet with city planners, go deal with uh, construction workers if you're doing anything uh, remote for repairs around the campus. Uh, But then also find time to observe 20-something teachers and deal with cultural issues at your school and go to school events. And then, oh, by the way, you're also a person that exists outside of the school. Like, I just don't understand. It, it almost feels like instead of doing a few things really well, everything gets done 
but nothing could ever really be done super well. Or if something is done super well, it's to sa- at the sacrifice of other important things as well. I don't know. That's, that was my <laughs> rant again. It, it's, it's challenging, and I think that's why you see the assistant principals taking on more. I think that's why you see deans trying to do discipline to leverage the assistant principals, mm-hmm. why they're bringing in TOSAs. Teacher on special assignments. assignments yeah. Right, to help so things go deeper and not spread so wide. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a challenging role. So how long have you been an admin? Three years. So I'm starting you, my fourth year. So you, you're you still fresh enough that you remember being uh, a teacher. Tell me about the transition that you made personally from teacher to admin. What is something that you didn't realize or what is something that you try to help teachers realize while it's still fresh in your mind? Because at some point you're going to just become a full on admin and you're not going to remember. It's like the larva becomes a butterfly and butterfly is not going to remember what it's like to be in the cocoon after a while. Well, I have to say it's different. I think my transition was different because I was a TOSA for Mm -hmm. two to three, two or three years. I can't remember at this point without (laughs) writing down the timeline. And so as a TOSA, I did a lot of discipline and I kept the hours of an admin, not as a teacher. That's my favorite thing about teacher on special assignments. It's like, I'm going to give you the honor of being admin light. (laughs) You're going to do exactly, essentially, the work of an admin, and you're going to work the hours of an admin, uh, but we're just going to pay you like a teacher. Well, and so... Oh, no conference periods. So And then, so when I I transitioned, honestly, it was... You're like, thank God. Seamless. (laughs) But I can tell you, when I went from a teacher to a TOSA, I remember telling teachers, you don't get to go to the bathroom whenever you want to. Do not be deceived. I said... (laughs) I have to schedule when I eat because if not, you will be eating at 4.30 or 5 o'clock when it's mm-hmm. time for you to leave. Um, it, I, there's been times we've run from thing that, and you just don't, I was like, it's easier to go to the bathroom as a teacher. I mean, and that's joking, but. But kind of uh, not. It's. Because at least you have those passing periods. Where like, yeah, as a teacher, no you know where your breaks are. Right. You know what you can do, you know, and as an administrator, it's just like mm-hmm. you have to be flexible. Um you have to change on a dime. You're the, you're the low man on the totem pole. It, 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 you really are. And and I think what it is, like, because I think most teachers like it's their classroom and it's their way yeah. and they can shape it and they have total control. Yeah, and as an administrator, yeah. it seems like you have control because you're an administrator, but you don't have control over the environment. And yeah. that's what dictates what happens. It's the environment. It seems like you don't actually have con- much control over anything. Uh, you have the illusion of control. <laughs> you know? You're managing things. It, it's kind of like how uh, everything in this universe uh, is made up of like 80 or something, 80 something percent space. Uh, and so it's like the illusion of solid <laughs> objects, whereas really it's just all space. And that's like kind of what being a principal is. You have the illusion of having control over everything. But when you get down to it, if the teachers don't do it, then they don't do it. And you're like, well, I guess unless you're at one of those schools where you can just say, well, then go, which is rare. Right. But especially if you're at a public school and especially especially if you're at a public school with a strong teachers union, which cuts both ways. Right. Like exactly. There are some really positive things. Uh Actually, I want to hear about your experience with that as well, because you have a pretty vivid memory of being part of a teacher's union, a strong teacher's union, and you gained all those benefits that came with it. And now that you're on the other end, as soon as you become an administrator, you're no longer part of a teacher's union. You have no union. 
you're just sort of floating out in the ether, but you're then trying to go back and deal with teachers who, in some cases, not all, in some cases might weaponize the safety net that was so good for you when you were a teacher. What's, how's that, how's that been for you? I think you just try and build relationships. You try and hear what they're coming from, what, what they're trying to achieve, what their concern is. You try and dress it and you try and work together. But I think you really try and help them understand this isn't a, a we're out to get you. This is not what it is. And I think sometimes it, it can get into that when you start talking about the union. And it's that's not what it's about. It's we're here for the kids. And I think a lot of times in a lot of situations, people, the adults involved, mm-hmm. forget that. Teachers, administrators, coaches, it's about the kids first and foremost. And I think if you keep that in mind when you're trying to work to resolution and try and work things out and make changes, I think it's just ha- being flexible and having a compromise. Right. And it doesn't always work, but I think that's what you have to try and do. Do you think that's one of the more typical mistakes that you've seen administrators make, uh, either when they become administrators or deep into their careers, that it becomes almost adversarial because, uh, you know, I need you to do this and you're not as opposed to let's work together. Or is there another, uh, sort of trap that administrators tend to fall into? I would say, you know, and I can't, I don't want to blanket it and say all administrators, well, no, but yeah, I, I mean, do, it's not all, but like but generally I, but speaking, I do the ones know that fall into it, that when you hear teachers complain, it's mm-hmm. the top down stuff. So yeah, I mean, you, you want to try and make it as collaborative as possible. Right. And like we're a team trying to achieve this right. and not do this because. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend of mine who is in education. He uh, is an administrator in a faraway district. <laughs> and, you know, he and I were talking about how the dynamics at a school can be crazy in the sense that, if you are a principal and you don't appear to be team teacher, then, you know, you are definitely the enemy. And if you are a teacher and you are not team, not just team teacher, but team anti-admin, <laughs> if that's somehow a thing, then you are also perceived as uh, an interloper. Uh, someone who has sort of been placed in the rankings to, you know, disrupt or whatever. Uh, Whereas there are plenty of teachers who are just like, look, I'm just here to do my job. I'm not here to get into the politics of it. So what is, what are your goals for your career as you move forward? Do you eventually want to become a principal at a school? Do you want to stay within this district? Do you want to uh, take on a school and do something with that school? What are, what are your, when you, when you see yourself in the future, what achieving certain goals, what are those goals? Actually right now I haven't even gone there yet. I mean, it used to always be, I want to be a principal. I want to be a Mm -hmm. principal. Um, I think it's deciding what level I want to be at. I really, and I think part of that challenge is I love high school. Mm -hmm. I really do. But, um, it, it's just a feel. It was like that for me for teaching. Yeah. I liked middle school. I liked high school. I knew elementary was not for me. <laughs> I knew I was secondary 
I mean, that's just, yeah. that's my level. I like the kids at that level. Um, I loved middle school too, but I really enjoy high school. But high school is a grind. It is mm -hmm. a grind. And so, um, like you said, when you were talking about those 12 and 14 hour days, you really have to think about that and all that responsibility that right. it entails. Um, because I, if I, I could see myself being a principal at a high school because I enjoy high school so much. I think the other challenge was that is high schools are so big in Long Beach trying to move the ship on something so big mm -hmm. is challenging. Yeah. Um, big schools are like cruise ships. Yeah. It, it takes a full effort from everyone involved just to turn it exactly. 10 degrees. And so right That's now. That's how the Titanic crashed. <laughs> Not, and, not to compare any right. of our schools with the Titanic, but, but I mean, it, it's true. It, it wasn't that they didn't see the iceberg. It's, it's just too big to turn in time. So they move slow and that's a challenge. Yeah. Um, I haven't thought about middle school because I haven't been there in so long. Sure. I think I've been out of middle school 10 years, but I do. I did love it, but I'd love high school as well. Um, I think it would be good to be able to lead instructional practices and, and guide a team of teachers to really mm -hmm. make an impact on a school and see them grow. But at the same time, and I, and people have done it and I know they've done it, but I have a teenager. And so when I think about what's my priority for the next three years, that's a balance. So mm -hmm. it would be great, um, you know, to be a principal and get out there. But I, I think it's still learning the assistant principal role a little bit more detailed and it gives me a chance to focus on my daughter because yeah. she's out the house in three years. So it's a lot to think about and a lot to go. It's and it's just about right. balance. Yeah, I'm currently sort of in that phase right now, uh, just sort of thinking about my own career, but uh, have kids trying to figure out when is the best time to make that transition again, that time commitment and is there ever a good time? And that's sort of the question that, that I wrestle with. I mean, it's not like uh, you know, pie, you know, it's like, there's always a time for pie, right? but there's not always time for, uh, you know, certain work. And I, you know, that's just sort of something that I'm struggling with. Do you have any advice for someone who is sort of on the precipice of taking that leap? Cause I feel like I might just need someone to just push me over the ledge. <laughs> No, I, th I think it's individual and I think it has to be what works for everyone. I will say it's challenging to mm -hmm. do with young children. Um, it's not impossible. And so I think it's just and, and it doesn't have to be high school. Mm. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking into going into leadership, you know, like I said, comprehensive high schools are demanding in the time that True. they're there's elementary there's oh man <laughs> middle school <laughs> elementary um, sounds so daunting to anyone <laughs> out there listening who works in an elementary school or is an administrator in an elementary school god bless yes <laughs> i just i mean i i look at that and i just i mean you you basically run a school filled with feral cats <laughs> who like are learning how to speak english it's amazing <laughs> they're just like running around speaking english and uh, never washing their hands. <laughs> that's kind of what, and at least that's what my vision of of elementary school is. It's horrifying. I just I knew that that I'm a older kids. Mm. I don't know if it's because you could talk to them a little bit more straight. I don't Give them know. A little some more sass, <laughs> <laughs> which I know is kind of your mo. You're like, no, no, no. I know you did not just say that. <laughs> Whereas an elementary school student, you're just like, 
Okay. That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to be a lot more calm. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, this was really fun. Uh, thank you for the advice. And thank you mm-hmm. for uh, sharing sort of your journey here. I know uh, it's not easy. And I, know, and I know a lot of people don't necessarily know what the other side is experiencing, uh, especially, you know, it, it, there are a lot of teachers out there who think about, oh, I want to become a principal but they don't necessarily understand what that transition is like. They just see point A to point B. They say um, point A is being a teacher, point B is being a principal. And I just, you know, yes, there's a lot more work up there, but I just jump to that and they don't necessarily see it's not how that and what affects I w- your life. And I will say um, if you're doing it to get out the classroom, mm. it's not going to happen. Just get out of teaching. It's, it's not going to happen. It's, I didn't rush to, I was in the classroom 11 years. Um, even as a principal, I'm in a, not in a rush to be a principal because I think you see a lot at each level and mm-hmm. you learn a lot at each level. Um, and it's not easy. Like I said, I, I had a friend just say, oh, you can go to this five o'clock workout class. And I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, I almost thought, oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the summer during the school <laughs> year. I wouldn't commit to get anywhere by five o'clock. Just, oh man. I can barely get my own child by five o'clock if I'm lucky. So yeah. it's just, it's not a, like you said, a point A to point B. There's a lot in between. There's a lot of work. Um, and, and it just, you just don't leave it at the site when you leave. It just doesn't work that way. Do you, do you miss the classroom? Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. But you just have to, like I said, the biggest thing in the classroom is the relationships. Mm, and so it, it was it was hard. At Cabrillo, it wasn't hard because I moved when I was to Tosa. I moved literally five feet from my classroom. So I still saw the kids and interact with them and I still knew them. So when I went to Wilson, it literally took to that two to three years to really start developing relationships with kids. And I have developed some. Like even when I moved, I was like, oh, I'm not going to see this person. Oh, I'm not going to see that person. So you do. Mm. You develop the relationships. So we've talked a bit about your interactions with other teachers. We've talked about the dynamics between teachers and admin and the dynamics between adults and students in schools. And uh, I'd like to play some games with you involving all those aspects. Okay. Are you ready for some games? I'm ready for some games. Let's do it. Okay, so our first game is called True False Horror Stories from Teaching. I've played this game a couple times. I've shared stories about students. I've shared stories about parents. This time, I'm going to go a little easy on you. (laughs) And normally we hear about the horror stories about admin. I'm going to give you the leg up on this one. And I'm going to share three stories that are horror stories about teachers. The way this game works is that it's very similar to the game Two Truths and a Lie. Uh, Two of these stories are 100% true, and one of them is false. And it's going to be up to you to let us know which one you think is false and why. Think you're up for it? Yes. (laughs) All right. All right, so our first story. Story number one. While working with his student teacher... This elementary school teacher claimed that nobody at the school was better or smarter than him. He often boasted that his student teacher was lucky to be able to observe such a highly effective instructor. 
Unfortunately, this teacher also frequently mispronounced words like pedagogy and frequently misinformed his students on basic facts like why salt water in the ocean didn't turn into salty rain. All right, story number two. During a middle school professional development day, the teachers were discussing how to best plan for the month of November. When the new history teacher suggested that the students could learn about the civil rights movement, other teachers explained that in the past, those units were saved for Black History Month. When he asked when that was, the teachers were in disbelief. February, they said, to which he replied, Oh, right. I used to keep track of that stuff, but now I don't. Number three. A new high school teacher did not understand how to dress appropriately for her position. Despite multiple discussions from her peers and administrators about the suggestive nature of her outfits, meaning microskirts and deep V blouses, she didn't understand what all the fuss was about. It wasn't until a few of her high school students threw dollar bills at her as she walked by their desks that she decided to change her work attire. So, which of the three stories is false? Is it one, the master teacher who is brilliant in his mind and yet never did anything really right? Or story two, the history teacher who couldn't figure out when Black History Month was? Or is it three, the high school teacher who, uh, according to her students, dressed more like a stripper than a teacher? I think it's one. Why? Because although I can see all three happening, <laughs> I'm sure second and third happen. I'm I could, de- I could, dead sure? I could tell people, I could identify you those know, people you in know my those mind. In your mind. Yes. You, you've seen it before. So I have a confession to make. I, I kind of did you wrong. They're all true. <laughs> I, well, I was like, <laughs> I could, I, I did this as a gift to you because most of the time you hear from teachers, oh, the admin or this, the admin or that. Listen, we're all crazy. <laughs> we're all just trying to figure out our way. Well, and we're crazy because that's what we deal with. You <laughs> you go in to work on instruction to help kids, and that's <laughs> and you what got you dollar get. Bills being thrown mm-hmm. at you. Yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> <sighs> so that was the game. I like it. Okay, so our next game is WTF are the kids saying these days? I'm going to give you hip new slang that the kids are throwing around. Uh, I'm hoping you're kind of a hip person, <laughs> especially for an admin. You, you, you I are hope. pretty, you, you are pretty, uh, on top of the new, the new trends in slang. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to throw in your way that you don't know. Uh, and what I would like you to do is I will give you the word or the phrase and the definition. And then I would like you to, without feeling like a hundred million years old, use this word or phrase in a sentence befitting of the adult world. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So this phrase that students are using these days is out of pocket. Out of pocket means having gone too far, having gotten out of hand, or having crossed the line. And it's gotten out of pocket. Go ahead, find an adult way to use the sentence without feeling like you are, you know, days away from dying. (laughs) Uh, my daughter's attitude was out of pocket the other day when she was talking to us. <laughs> are you, so when you go home, are you going to say, uh, that was out of pocket? <laughs> I don't use all three words. I'm like, you need to stop. That's too much. <laughs> it's 
the same. No, but <laughs> what I what I love about this game is that it teaches all these adults these newfangled right. expressions. And then we can go and use them and just ruin them because <laughs> that's what we do. Anytime we use it, it crushes it. The first time an adult did the dab, it was dead. Like Hillary Clinton, I think, is the one who officially killed the dab. Uh, so I'm really excited for all the podcast listeners and for you to go to school and say, oh, no, 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 no. That's out of pocket. That's out of pocket. <laughs> And just, just as they, the, the jaws collectively hit the ground of all the students. Why? Why did you use that? Now I can't use it anymore. Now I got to come up with something, something else. New. And Wes better not hear about it. Ah, so that was WTF for the kids saying. Good job. Thank you. Okay, so now we have come to the final segment of the show. Time to start saying goodbye. It's always the sad part. It's bittersweet because I'm always excited to hear the extra credit assignment is going to be, but I also know that it's also the end of the, the interview. So extra credit at the end of every episode, I ask the guests to give an extra credit assignment to the pod class listeners. This could be anything. It could be check out this new TV show or movie or read this really great book or, oh my gosh, this new album dropped. You got to check it out. Anything. What is an extra credit assignment you would like to give the pod class audience? Um, it's going to be overused and oversaid and over Dance whatever. Dance like no one's watching? No. Because <laughs> you um, will not be invited back if you say that. No, I would say <laughs> it's okay to say no and you should mm. say no. And I think a lot of times, particularly, and I, I don't even think it's education. I just think when you're really committed to something and when you're involved, you think that you have to be there 110 plus percent. And sometimes you have to say no and you have to put your family first. And then sometimes you have to tell your family no and put yourself first. Mm. And I think the second is even more difficult because I think you worry about everyone in your family first. But sometimes you just need that individual time and time to do what's best for you. And I don't think we do it enough. And I think people need to. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so the extra credit assignment is say no, say no to how many things would you like them to say no to? I would say no to one work thing and no to one family thing. Okay. So one, no work thing to put your family first. But no you can't to say one, no to this extra credit assignment. <laughs> and no to one family thing to put yourself first. And I guess saying no is the only, it's the wrong way. It's being able to prioritize. Right. And so I had a conflict yesterday and I was like, I really, really need to go to work. But I'm like, well, this is a commitment I have mm -hmm. that I made before I even moved sites. And so you just have to, you have to have an explanation and you just say, look, I, I'm going to have to be a little late. I need mm -hmm. to do this. It's based on a family obligation and that's fine. But I think sometimes we just put undue stress on ourselves trying to do everything. And sometimes you just have to say, I can't be there. You want to get coffee after this? No. Oh. I have my coffee. Perfect. You did it. You, you, you've done your half of your extra credit assignment. Uh, thanks for coming by. I hope this was fun. Thank you. I know you were nervous. I'm very nervous. So. <laughs> okay, that is our show. Thanks again to my guest, Dr. Margo Atkins Jackson. And thank you, my pod classmates, for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please go right to the pod class homepage on whatever platform you get the show and leave a five-star rating. The more ratings my show has, the easier it will be for people to find and enjoy. 
Also, don't forget to come back next week for my mini pod show. And remember, if you want your listener questions to be answered on the show, don't forget to submit them to me through social media under the username at teachmemrwest or via email podclasspod, that's podclasspod at gmail.com. That's all for this week. Podclass dismissed.